let's look at the incarceration of Satan. Uh, this is something that will probably occur in the first 30 days after Christ returns, as we saw from the uh, breakdown of Daniel 12. And in most Bible translations, it says, then I saw an angel. Uh, they translate it then uh, to draw out the sequential aspect of it. Uh, but it kind of brings more of a separation between chapter 19 and chapter 20 than the Greek text actually uh, permits. Uh, the Greek word there is and. This is just a continuation of what's going on in chapter 19. It says, and I saw an angel coming down from the heaven or from heaven, holding the keys of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Uh, back in the trumpet judgments, we saw a fifth angel. He sounded and says, I saw a star from heaven, which had fallen to the earth. And the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of the great furnace. Sun and air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Uh, so as I just mentioned to Kelly, this, this being one of the trumpet judgments, I think this immediately precedes the midpoint of the tribulation period where Satan is cast down to the earth and he begins his particular period of wrath, uh, which the goal of that wrath of Satan is really to destroy Israel. Uh, if he destroys Israel, he destroys those uh, people who are responsible for receiving Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, that is really the conduit through which Christ will return to the earth. Um, so here we have, right before the midpoint of the tribulation, the abyss being opened. And as we'll see, this is the, the uh, location of uh, restrained or constrained uh, demons or what have you. Uh, in Luke 8.30, for example, when Jesus encounters a uh, demoniac uh, who has been possessed by a legion of demons, Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And then they uh, began begging Jesus. They said they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. He sends them into a herd of swine instead. Uh, they don't want to be confined there in the abyss, which will be opened uh, at this point, at the midpoint of the tribulation. This angel is coming down from heaven. Uh, this, again, is indicative of uh, language in the apocalypse after uh, the midpoint of the tribulation, because the war that was in heaven is now just focused on earth. Revelation 12, 7 through 9, there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place uh, found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Revelation 12, 12, for this reason rejoice, O heavens. And you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So this angel is now coming down to the earth. The warfare has moved from uh, the principalities of the air uh, down onto uh, the world for this intense period of three and a half years. 
he comes down holding the key of this abyss, which in chapter nine was uh, opened. He's now going to lock it up once again. And he comes down also with a great chain in his hand. Uh, Mark 3.26 may be an allusion to this future period where Satan will be chained up in the abyss, uh, where Christ says, if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Now, uh, as I believe I put in some verses here to show that this world and the whole world system is really Satan's house right now. Christ is going to come down and plunder it. Uh, that's that 75 days where he purifies it. But he's going to bind him first. Uh, this occurs right at the beginning. Revelation 20, verse 2, he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now, this is something pretty interesting. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, when we encounter the serpent, uh, we immediately ascribe to him that he is Satan, uh, that this serpent is Satan. We're actually not told this until Revelation chapter 12. That's the first time where the identity of the serpent in the garden uh, is given to us. Uh, so we have uh, this perspective on completed canon, where we're able to identify him by drawing a one for one. Whereas before, it's just understood by his activity. But it's specifically done this way so that we can see he has been the enemy from the very beginning. There's never been a point in human history since the fall where Satan has not been active on the earth. Uh, Job 1 and Job 2 um, show that he was even active in those days uh, after the flood and before Israel. Uh, we see him all throughout the church period. We see him in the Gospels. He is always the enemy of God's people. He's always the enemy of God. Uh, and so here it's only fitting uh, that the end is tied up with the beginning uh, when judgment comes on Satan. Mark 3.26 uh, referred to him as the great dragon. Actually, this is Revelation 12.9. I have the wrong heading up there. Uh, the great dragon was thrown down the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan. That was where it's first identified for us, um, saying that this great dragon in Revelation is the same as the serpent from Genesis, and he's the one who uh, in Greek has been called devil, and in Hebrew has been called Satan. Uh, and both devil and Satan simply mean the adversary, uh, the, the lawless one this one who comes against. And we see that he is particularly an enemy of God um, and a usurper of God's uh, position over man. Genesis 1.26, where God um, within the Godhead recites his purpose in creation. He says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We call this the dominion mandate. This was God's purpose for creating man, that they would have rulership over the earth, and also that they would be subject to him, so that we have a mediatorial kingdom, uh, a medium between God and his creation. Our role is to be over creation, but under him. Genesis 2.15, we get a direct um, commandment from God, as well as our purpose on earth. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it, 
to cultivate as a purpose clause. This was the reason he put him in there. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So we have a clear command and a clear consequence. Satan comes as the adversary, the one who pits himself against God and usurps God's position over man. Man being the rightful rulers the, uh, of the kingdom of this earth um, are to subject themselves to God, but they choose instead to subject themselves to Satan's word, looking for life in another creature besides God. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate and she gave to also to her husband and he ate. So who is king over man? It's supposed to be God uh, because man is supposed to subject himself to God. But here they choose another king uh, over them. I like Elliot Johnson's explanation of what is happening here in the garden. Uh, he writes that unexpectedly the serpent appears to induce humanity to question God's word. This conflict between creator and his creatures was spawned by God's enemy, the serpent. Rebellion against God's word was rebellion against the structure that God had spoken into existence in creation. And when Adam took a bite of the fruit, his relationship with God died. That's spiritual death. When Adam listened to the serpent, the serpent's word took control of Adam and the realm he once ruled was lost to the enemy. Under God's permission of evil, his universal kingdom remained intact. God is still the king of the universe from which the judgment against the serpent was pronounced and this verdict framed the conflict that would inform the interpretation of history. So man has chosen a different ruler of this world or a different um, source of um, authority by which they rule over this world. Satan is alive and well on the earth. First Peter 5, 8 says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 2 Corinthians 4.3, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is Satan's world system, and he's going to operate as its ruler until the true and rightful ruler dethrones him. So this angel who was tasked with dethroning Satan, um, casting him into the pit and locking him away, um, locks him away, and it gives us a length of time that he's locked away for. He bound him for a thousand years. Now, this is different than the binding or the uh, casting away, rather, of the false prophet and the false messiah. Those were thrown away for eternity into the lake of fire. Satan's being locked up was only for a short period of time for this thousand years. Uh, this is really so that 
God can fulfill his purpose for creation, which was to have a man rule over this earth under subjection to God's will. Jesus and Jesus alone will perfectly do this. And at that point, his creation purpose is fulfilled and God has been glorified perfectly. At that point, at the end of that, a final refinement of those who belong to God and those who have chosen to align with Satan instead will occur. And then the eternal state will begin where everyone will be in a state of perfect righteousness, having received the righteousness of Christ. But we're going to deal with that more when we get to Revelation 20, verse 7. Revelation 20, verse 3, it says he threw him into the abyss, that place where Legion did not want to go because it's a place of confinement uh, for uh, demons. He shut it and sealed it over him uh, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer. When he sealed this abyss over him, this seals off Satan's ability to act uh, on the earth. So this is a uh, is a judicial, uh, this is throwing him in prison, just like when a verdict is reached by a judge or by a jury, the verdict is pronounced by the judge, it's enacted by the jailer, uh, this angel gets to be that jailer, throws him away into prison, and while in prison, the bad activity that gets you locked up in the first place cannot be committed. And that's exactly the imagery that's being used here to show us uh, how Satan's activity will be fully constrained during this period of a thousand years. Specifically, his activity of deceiving the nations. Uh, ever since uh, he deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, he's been known as a deceiver or the adversary. Ever since Babel, he's been known as a deceiver of the nations, uh, this one who leads uh, God's creation of national boundaries towards uh, despotism and rebellion, eventually leading to a one-world government where they ascribe their power to him as a singular leader. No longer during this, um, this thousand-year kingdom is uh, the world going to be influenced by Satan, and that will be the first time since the Garden of Eden where Satan is not an influence. Uh, now, that might take a minute to sink in what exactly that will be, and it sounds like it's going to be pretty great. And yes, it's going to be amazing. This will be the greatest period in world history. Uh, but this is not yet going to be a period fully without sin. Remember that there are going to be mortals entering into the kingdom, mortals who still have the sin nature and the capacity to sin. Uh, Isaiah 65 tells us that during that period, ages will be restored to what they were before the flood. Uh, where People will live a thousand years or the entire length of the kingdom. But uh, there will be those who die at 100 years old, uh, which is roughly uh, the same length of time we live nowadays. But it specifically says that it's going to uh, be as if that one is accursed, that when someone sees a person die at only 100 years, they are going to assume that that person has been cursed. Uh, in Jeremiah, 30, the beginning of chapter 33 or the end of 32, uh, it talks about uh, produce that's going to be in the kingdom where uh, grapes will be abundant. And if someone's grapes are sour, they're going to wonder uh, why that man is accursed. Uh, 
there is going to be those during the kingdom who are aligning themselves with the true king who's ruling physically in bodily form from Jerusalem, and there will still be those rebels. And that is going to be the reason why Satan is loosed at the end of the thousand years. Um, he's going to act as a magnet for all of those who have rebellion in their hearts against Jesus, the true king, the Messiah. Uh, but Satan is not going to be on the earth at this point to deceive the nations. That means whatever rebellion is in their hearts, they're going to see once and for all that you can't just use the excuse, the devil made me do it, uh, that sin and rebellion is actually part of the human nature, uh, that Satan in the garden acted as a catalyst, uh, but Eve was actually the one who acted, and Adam was the one who knowingly acted as well. I like what Amir Sarfati says um, about this period. He says, we are going to see what happens when the influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil are trimmed down to just the flesh. Um, that is one of the purposes of the millennial kingdom. Jesus is going to rule in perfect righteousness, uh, like it says in uh, Psalm 2, where he's going to rule with a rod of iron with which he breaks down the nations. Uh, these nations are going to come under his uh, kingship and his rule, and many are not going to like that. Uh, when we get to Revelation 20, verses 7 through 10, we'll, we'll look at perhaps why. And so he will not deceive the nations until, uh, that gives a limit on this time period, until the thousand years were complete. Now we can assume then that at the end of that thousand years, he will come and deceive the nations. Uh, that is naturally uh, gleaned from that syntax and pragmatics there. And now this as well is pretty interesting. Uh, after these things, he must. Must is the Greek word day, and we sometimes call this a divine imperative particle. Uh, this must only occurs in places, especially in Revelation, uh, where this is. Uh, this isn't something that's like, oh, you should, you ought to, this is the right thing, this is a good thing. In fact, there's no sense of benevolence, this isn't a command. This is something that is in the plan of God, and it cannot not happen. Um, for example, at the beginning, when John is given the revelation that occupies the whole book, He's told, I will show you the things that after this must take place. Everything in the book of Revelation must take place. Some of it is terrible and some of it is wonderful. Um, but all of this must take place. It's part of the plan of God. It's how he has organized history future. And it's been prophesied and therefore it cannot not happen. And so all of these things, including the release of Satan at the end of the millennial kingdom, must take place. Um, of course, at the end of chapter 20, chapter 20 will not end before Satan is finally done away with for eternity. Um, but oftentimes we look at this, and this is, I think, a lot the uh, the fault of Catholic eschatology that really dominated most of the church age. And it wasn't really helped by Reformed theology, uh, especially in the area of eschatology, where we look at the return of Christ as just the end. Most people think that after that, we just uh, float in the sky with harps on clouds. Uh, and that that's what we're going to be doing for eternity, we don't realize we're in the middle of God's plan for this earth. Uh, his, his period before the flood, after the flood, before Israel, during Israel, the church age, uh, we tend to look at it as everything else is history, 
and future is just going to be when Christ returns and then the eternal state. There's a period of a thousand years there where God's going to finish his plan for this world and its history. Um, and sin is not going to be fully done away with until after that time. But sin in our bodies, because we will have been perfected in the image of Christ in our resurrection bodies, will be perfectly put away. And so the coming period of history on this earth is going to be one of incredible uniqueness where we have humans in glorified bodies reigning with Christ over this earth, and then mortals repopulating the earth, occupying this earth, and some of them rebelling. Uh, we are going to uh, have our hands full during the period of the tribulation or during the period of the kingdom where we're ruling with Christ, um, but we'll also not have to worry ourselves about falling into these sins and temptations because we'll be in a state of perfect righteousness, having received the righteousness of Christ. Okay, so just to summarize what happened there in uh, the first three verses of chapter 20, it really focuses around this angel uh, and what he is doing. He has six, six tasks uh, during this period of uh, interim between the tribulation and the kingdom to lay a hold of the dragon, to bind him for a thousand years, to cast him into the abyss, to shut him up under lock and key, to seal or, or to seal over him, rendering him inactive for this period of a thousand years, and then again to loose him after a thousand years, which we'll see in verse seven, hopefully next week. All right. So that is it for tonight. I have a question. Go for it. Um, okay. And I'm just thinking about Satan and all his evil doings. Mm -hmm. And um, the Bible talks about how he's, he's um, he accuses us day and night. Mm -hmm. And um, to the father or, you know. Yeah. And, um, and so anyway, I guess what I'm thinking about is, or I'm trying to formulate my question is, um, we know he's not omnipresent. Mm -hmm. um, when he is bound up for a thousand years and then loosed, um, is there any implication that demons or or the angels that followed him are with him, are bound up also and loosed also? It or is he working in by himself at that point? We're not told. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if there was anything that the language said. doesn't indicate that there will be any demons with him. Um, there is language in Isaiah. Uh, I think it's Isaiah chapter 60 and as well in Jeremiah, I think chapter 25 or Jeremiah 51, 50 and 51 uh, that talks about the the demons being uh, confined in their place for eternity and that may be in fact Arnold Fruchtenbaum believes that that's actually going to be the ruins of Babylon where all the demons are going to be collected and locked up there uh, until this earth is done away with um, so I don't have any reason to believe that demons will come out of the abyss with Satan um, it appears to be just him that said, since yeah. scripture is silent on it, I I would assume it's possible. Uh, so what about what God. about the four the four demons that are let uh, loose at the end there? 
for? The Euphrates River demons? Those are uh, released soon before the end of the tribulation period. Uh, they're part of the bowl judgments. They're released for wait, the Euphrates. Yeah. There's the Euphrates and then the um, from the four winds of the earth, but those are angels. Uh, the ones who caused the drying up of the, of the Euphrates, and I think see, the fifth bowl judgment uh, right before Armageddon, uh, those would be locked up as well, I assume, because this all occurs before Christ returns, before the Antichrist and the false prophet are tossed into the lake of fire. And when Satan's cast into the abyss, I would kind of assume that that is the time where the rest of the demons are also cast into the abyss. Uh, they're they're mm -hmm. not going to be around while, uh, while Christ is ruling. Well, and if Satan is, oh, I have to think about what the verse says, where, like, for instance, that he's accusing us day and night. Um, yeah. Revelation and I thought, 20, verse uh, 10, I think, is one of the oh, places, okay. I think it says it in two places, um, that he's the accuser of the brethren he's thrown down. My thought is, is, the fact that he could even be in God's presence doesn't make sense to me, mm -hmm. uh, even to accuse us, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, obviously he can, whatever that looks like. But um, and um, but I also thought that right there seems to be that would be a good enough reason to need a new heaven because to clean that out of there. <laughs> yeah, well, even... Uh... Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, I believe, talks about the need to cleanse the heavenly things. Uh, and we assume that that's because they've been defiled by a sinner being present in the heavenlies, which would be Satan. Uh, wow. he's, he's not permitted to occupy heaven in the same way as he did um, as a, an angel. Um, but the heavens are spoken of as multiple or I guess multi-faceted. It's not just one little location where the throne of God is, um, but it's it, it's an ecosystem of creation, just like we occupy in the physical mm. world. So that's that's one of his abodes, and he's not going to be permitted in it any longer. And that's going to happen during the tribulation period, um, at the midpoint where he's finally cast out of the heavenly realms and confined only to this physical realm. Hmm. All right, yeah, I was curious if there was anything that you had seen. So thank you, yeah. yeah. But keep in mind, just like we have an adversary accusing us, but we have an advocate defending us. Um, and his defense yeah. is perfect and it's just because his defense is my blood covered that. Um, so his defense can't go without uh, justifying the believer. That's good. Yeah. I would assume mm -hmm. rather grating having Satan constantly look at that sin that he's doing. Shouldn't he lose his salvation? No, my blood covered that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's no more questions, I'll close us in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much that. Uh, we see an end to this madness. 
uh, that you have a plan for history and that you are faithful to enact it. We thank you that it must occur, that history and the earth cannot pass away until every purpose that you have ordained has come to pass and until you have been perfectly glorified in it. We thank you that uh, though it looks around us like the world is at a loss for righteousness, uh, that righteousness is prepared to cast out the evil one and establish the throne here on this earth, uh, which you will rule in perfect righteousness and justice and peace. Uh, we pray that that day uh, be soon here, uh, where we no longer have to face uh, the trials of the evil one, where we no longer have to deal with sin in our own bodies, where the old nature has been done away with, and we have seen you face to face, and we have been made like you, where we have taken on your righteousness, and uh, this old man, this old body is is gone. Uh, we cannot wait until the day where sin no longer affects us in our bodies and where sin is no longer a part of our environment. Uh, we long for the day of your return. Uh, we long for the righteousness of the kingdom. And uh, we pray that Satan be soon put away. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.